0: israeliano this is your host Lamarok. uh unfortunately uh i had to close the light uh, because uh, everybody is already sleeping uh you know we have to go to the airport in the morning because uh, we are going to re-upload the uh, episode 2 and you know uh, I think you will enjoy very much God bless stay tuned (laughs) hey open the light close the light give me some tissue oh I know all about it bro I dated Two Filipino girls. <laughs> but hey, I love your station so far. Keep it up, man. Keep doing
1: your thing. and inamo. No, I'm just kidding. But yeah, keep doing your thing, bro. Mahal kita.
0: Kuya cannabis. Oi, tomahimiku-chan. You be quiet. Everybody is sleeping already. <laughs> Thank you so much for your phone call. Yes, we will often the light. And you know uh, I respect you very much. God bless you. you know it's very uh, it's very typical you know to to do a podcast you know about cannabis. So I respect you a lot, but, uh, you know, uh, I hope you like this next episode It's dedicated to you. And also to my new listeners, uh, Naps. Yeah, are you Filipina? Do you have a boyfriend? <laughs> are you looking for a boyfriend? <laughs> and also to uh, my Austronesian cousins in Hawaii Island Vibes. Thank you so much for uh, listening to my show, and of course to <coughs> my supporter from another mother, um, uh, Paige Denham from Adelaide. Thank you so much for favorating favorating uh, my my uh, station. I have, I I hope uh, that you enjoy episode two of being a Filipino Australian. No, enjoy.
1: Now it's uh it's quite funny to think that uh when uh, a particular group of Austronesians, I'm not sure if they were Tongans or or Hawaiians or someone from somebody some group some group of people from uh. Those are Pacific Islands that uh, did not like the image of the demigod Maui in the recent Disney feature Moana. They said, oh, oh, that's not how we look like. We're not obese like that. But, you know, that's that's a result of colonialism, you know, from all the foods that they uh, (laughs) are That the, that, that the Americans had brought to the islands, you know. But then when, uh, <laughs> when, when they finally saw Maui um, in action on the big screen, um, played by Dwayne Johnson, they the Rock. They're like, oh no, no, actually, he's, no, he's a pretty cool. He's pretty cool. He's pretty fresh. Yeah, so, 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 and they accepted him. He. That's something for you listeners out there to, uh, to ponder about uh, as I was supposed to start this uh, segment with the idea of uh, how do you like your spam cooked <laughs> are you hardcore and just eat that shit out of a can with a tablespoon <laughs> raw or you slice them up in you know, thick slices or thin slices do you uh, have it crispy? Do you have it in your loko moko with uh, you know fried egg and rice, you know, with ketchup or with soy sauce? You know, do you have uh, weird fantasies like myself about cutting them into cubes and injecting them with that real thick mustard coloured, <laughs> or are they, or is it orange? It's more like it's reddish orange craft cheese that they use at Maccas for your cheeseburger. If you inject a melted down version of that <laughs> into your uh, into your span cubes and then deep fry them and then you know you don't even fucking drain it on on uh, on paper towel was you actually just let the, the jasmine rice or you know whatever rice you like preferably it should be jasmine rice as a filipino because that is the yield that we uh, that is the uh that, that is the yield that we that we get from our crops <laughs> um yeah just let that shit sink into that and then mix it up with your favorite condiments you know just have a heart
0: attack. Here.
1: Is that how you identify with being a Filipino or a Pacific Islander, along with your corned beef, your corned sorry, your corned beef? You know, brands from New Zealand. That stinky, stinky lard smell that tastes so friggin' good. <laughs> Is that how you identify as being? A Filipino, you see, are these real Filipinoisms, or is that something of modern times in the past hundred years? Now it's good to know a little bit of history, so you can start identifying things by time to really catch up and understand things in a modern-day perspective. But I think it was in eighteen ninety-nine to 1901 Don't quote me on that. There was the Great Philippine-American War where after the Spanish had sold us to the Americans they kind of created a fake war between the the two of them and uh, passed hands-on from Spanish rule to American colonial rule Of course during that time We had a lot of revolutionaries, we had Bonifacio, we had, uh, you know, Henara Luna after the death of Jose Rizal, then you have Aguinaldo, and, you know, a lot of these different things. And then a lot of Americanisms were introduced to us. i Anthony Luis Lopez Lawan AKA Lama Rock Hope you guys are having a wonderful day I'm out here walking with the dogs Just did about 40 minutes of uh, my morning work out You know, because all Filipinos do is eat uh, Spam and corned beef Indeed, Lago, <laughs> we don't just eat Spam and canned goods Actually, I'll inform, I would like to inform you that yesterday, uh, I had uh, mungo. Mungo is a particular kind of bean from the Philippines. I don't know its health properties, but it's usually cooked with a bit of meat, pork in this case, and ampalaya or bitter melon leaves. Now I've read about ampalaya, those things are real bitter. The only other culture I know, besides the Filipinos, uh, that eat this uh, bitter melon or bitter gourd, I think it's called, is the Taiwanese as a uh, kind of like a a pickled food mixed with egg. And similarly, the Okinawans from the southern part of Japan. Anyways. Today's topic of Conversation is... (laughs) Do Filipinos have a tendency to philosophize? To philosophize Triple six, V double R triple six Just uh, seeing some uh, triple numbers and double letters here As I walk my dogs Yes, uh... I guess as part of the unravelling of a complex identity, um, it used to bother me that uh, my group of friends um, were never really too keen on the whole like philosophy deal. Dogs are gonna bark, they it. Oh. Let's go, dogs. Um, yeah. And, and I was never really able to like express myself deeply in the way <laughs> is it was it a shallow deepness I don't know but you know there was a, there was there was a need there was a yearning to express myself in a philosophical way and then after not going back to the Philippines for 14 years and then finally meeting uh, the SAS crew and rip and down crew it was interesting that uh, Once we'd finished our dancing, or when it was that time to start drinking, as they did most evenings of the night, um, they were always yearning for a good deep conversation. See, but those guys are native Filipinos. I would like to know whether or not Australian Filipinos uh, have a tendency towards this kind of conversation I'd like to hear your thoughts please feel free to call in echo this segment of Binoistraliano even if you're not Filipino maybe you'd like to share your culture's tendencies to do certain things signing out all the best I'll see you in the next segment. Yeah, so I'm just talking to um, Matt Victor Pastor, a uh, Malaysian, Filipino, Australian, or maybe I should say Filipino, Malaysian, Australian filmmaker because a lot of his uh, subject material at the moment has got to do with being Filipino, the identity of being a Filipino in Australia. Anyway, every time we have a conversation, we talk about all sorts of things and he's a very, very well-spoken person. He's a VCA graduate. Uh, he's known to be controversial. He's been criticized as uh, a misogynist. Um, that's because I think Australians, those people who criticized him, don't really understand his Filipinoisms. Which is why, as a Filipino-Australian, not because I care about what other people think that are not Filipino, but more so for other Filipinos to understand that perhaps the way that they're feeling is actually normal for a Filipino. <laughs> Anyways, um, he and I we're having a conversation, and we're going to get him in in a future uh Segment episode mini podcast. Still got to figure out what I want to call these things um, to talk about this uh, wonderful function he went to where he was able to meet and question and learn about the 80s Filipina feminists in Victoria, Australia. Now, that's a really interesting thing because in this day and age of active, active clicktivism and not enough active activism especially for the feminists you know with all these new terms coming along and a lot of these people who have felt that they've been discriminated against and and require uh, a recognition of sorts here are people from the 80s that are not only a minority and have suffered you know colonial oppression and our immigrants to this country, they would probably <coughs> um, experience racism on a personal level through so- so-called loved ones, is that they created a safe house through passing a law in parliament to protect Filipino Filipinas or Filipino women from abuse. Now, that's hectic. man. That makes me proud. To be a Filipino, when I, when I hear that that Filipinos in Australia have been so proactive that they were able to influence Parliament to pass a law, and it's it's the it's the notion because they're all probably we'll get Matt to to fill us in on the details, but and maybe one of them as well, since they're local, um, they were all about um, sorry. Let me, let me rephrase they were uh, victims of abusive husbands because these women were male order brides you know there was another term that matt used but i i'm, I'm not uh, i'm not as eloquently spoken as him but basically yeah you know if you don't know there was apparently a statistic in the 70s or 80s and maybe way up to now that Filipino females outnumber filipino males two to one so for every man there's two two women or should i say for every two women there's only one man (laughs) both sound very sexist i apologize but yeah so it's no wonder that people from all around the world come to the philippines which also has a bit of a dark side to this story, which we'll touch on in future. But they would go to the Philippines to find a loving wife. And of course, if you're from a poverty-stricken part of the world, third world country, so to speak, developing nation, whatever you wanna call it, it's all a farce, in my opinion. Then, you know, if a handsome 80-year-old man came your way, and gave you all the money in the world and offered to fly you (laughs) offered to fly you to Australia you're most likely going to take that offer in hopes that you'll eventually bring the rest of your family to Australia and bring them out of poverty now and that was Descended from Myth by RJD2 Damn, I never heard this song of his before. Maybe he's got—he does. He does have a recent release. Uh, speaking of myth, I am here, and I hope I can get other Filipinos to jump on board with me instead of being uh, self-defecating in the feet of Western diet dietary practices, that Filipino food is not healthy. I want to debunk that. I want people to know that the oils and the fats and the levels of sodium and things of this nature are actually healthy for you. I still don't know how I'm going to do this, but I guess this is a start. Let's, let's, uh, let's start off with some, some little known facts. First of all, diet is key. Even when I used to smash how many hours of cardio a week, I was still putting on the pound. And that's crazy. Is that because all I ate was Filipino food? Perhaps. But actually, it's more so the proportions and the conditioning of... For example, I went and bought a stir-fried egg noodle with chicken and egg sauce at a Vietnamese restaurant, which is one of my most favourite cuisines, by the way. Very balanced cuisine. And it was about $11, you know. A far cry from the days of five to seven meals in St. Louis and this thing, swear to God, was enough to feed two, possibly even three. Now if uh, you're not Filipino, one thing you'll understand about Filipino uh, eating is that we like to have a whole plethora of dishes, a whole plethora of dishes to accompany our rice. So rice being our main staple. There's some myth going around online that the original rice was actually brown rice and not white rice. I'm not sure about that. I'd like to, to check out the facts. Because when I went up to the Cordillera Mountains um, of the indigenous tribes of, of the Philippines in the north, northern part of Luzon, they served us rice that was white but it had a long strip or like an eye, you know, like an eye that ran through the middle of the rice that was brown. And mind you, I only had one plate of this followed by their, uh, accompanied with their carpis beans and soup or sabal as we say in Tagalog. Um, and I only had one dish and, and,
0: and I felt good.
1: I felt like, oh, this is an, this is an awesome meal. <laughs> Anyways, when you do look into Filipino foods, a lot of Filipino foods, due to the climate of um, the Philippines' economy and and poverty-stricken areas, a lot of our foods now, or maybe has always been from a lower caste. A lower caste, I think it had been compared to curries. But while curries are had been introduced to the western palate, you know, more than a hundred 200 years ago through England's English colony, the English colony of India at the time, you know, along with Ceylon tea and all these different things, Filipino um, fruit is yet to still hit the mainstream, but yeah. I've been conditioned on these foods and it'd be hard for me now to become a vegetarian or vegan or, or, you know, whatever is uh, considered healthy. And I want to know if anyone else out there feels the same way about me and could provide us with any information about Filipino food being healthy. Debunking the myth that Filipino food is unhealthy, peace out. And that was soup for one, by (laughs) Sheik, that's sad isn't it, having soup for one, I was having a conversation with um, an Okinawan b-boy while I was living in Osaka, and uh, this man of Ryukyuan heritage, before they were absorbed as part of the country or the borders of Japan, he was saying an Okinawan, as opposed to a mainland, mainländer, Japanese person, prefers to share the little he has with someone, even if it is not a substantial amount, of rather than eat alone. You know, for me during those times of of trying to to raise my daughter in Japan and trying to uh, understand how to fit into Japanese society because the culture there, to acculturate to the Japanese way can be quite devastating to a person who enjoys his his individuality uh, and standing out and being different. It made me realize that perhaps that is also a common trait that Filipinos, that Filipinos who are very family orientated or barcada orientated, with, you know, very close to their friends, um, would feel like. You know? Anyways, today's. Uh, this particular segment, sorry, these particular segments are. Uh, Point of topic, point of conversation is sabao, or soup. Now, I was, uh, i just come back from Osaka visiting my daughter. She lives in my And And um, this time around, I was very happy to hear a lot of Filipino voices around me. Meaning to say that there's a lot of Filipinos, like actual Filipino natives, people from the Philippines, not, not like myself. Um, travelling to Osaka, Japan. I was like, yeah, that's fresh. Good ideas. That's sick. You know, it's always nice to hear the odd Filipino voice or conversation after hearing lots of Japanese. <laughs> Anyways, uh, these two women came in, I think they were about to catch a flight, and they took a seat and, and one of the ladies motioned to go in a certain direction to go buy food but the other lady said no Said no it's much better over here because there's soup over here and while I was eating a ramen bowl and, and sharing my, my daughter's uh, Japanese curry and rice I was like hey that is typically Filipino isn't it you want to eat a meal
0: with soup
1: because our cuisine, and that's probably why a lot of our cuisine is hard to present, is a lot of it is very Austronesian in the sense that it's all a mixed pot of goodness. (laughs) You know, it's it's, um, usually served in bowls with a broth of some sort and then different meats and vegetables. And then there's of different varieties of these from them being more strew like to them being very watery and soupy and what we do is we would take our tablespoon and grab portions of this dish and spoon it over our rice to flavor the rice as opposed to having you know um, a soup entree, and then getting onto your main meal—it's almost like a, a, a way to line your stomach before eating, you know, the much more heavier foods. You no, know, us Filipinos, we we actually eat it all together. And yeah, I think that's that's just really for, for you listeners out there, um, and also mainly for the Filipinos, Australian Filipinos, the Filipino Australians out there to be proud. Of our cuisine, even if it looks like shit, <laughs> you and I know it tastes good. But you and I disagree that the. What? F- oh. No? Now? Oh, I am on the radio now. I am live. Hi. Uh, hello, everybody. This is Anthony Luis Lopez Lawang. Thank you very much for listening to, to our show, The Opino Italiano. Uh, uh, I would like to uh, first acknowledge uh, uh, all the uh, uh, indigenous people of uh, this land, the uh, Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. In turn, I would like to acknowledge all the Filipinos uh, past past Present and future who live on this island known as Australia. Um, sa lahat. Uh, uh, you know, you know, it's it's very hard to it's very hard to be a, a Filipino worker, especially as a janitor or a a mechanic or a nurse or or a kitchen hand or a chef a chef sorry uh you know a laborer and and all these kind of things because you know uh, unfortunately the the australian government does not recognize hindi nila recognize the the doon, Brad? Qualifications, the qualifications of of uh, prior studies, in the known, oh, and it's it's very sad to you know you know you moving to another country, you know in my time we moved to another country and then you know you already have you already having a a. a job as a nurse or a school teacher but when you arrive in this country they're not recognizing that you're already teaching uh, a lot of little shits you know it's it's very difficult especially when you have to pay for your rent in the flat or, or you have a mortgage with, with your family with your wife or someone like this or you're, you know sending money back to your family members in, in the Philippines it's very hard to then Study again and then graduate again with a degree. Why do you have to do that after you've already done that before in the Philippines? No. It's very, it's very very hard, but you know the resilience, the resilience of the Filipino uh, person will do that if he feels it absolutely necessary uh, to get a better life for himself and for others his or her care. Right? Anyways. You know, um, I want to talk about uh, how uh, we have a differences in, the, in the, our cultures, like for example, in the Philippines, when you call someone, you lift your, you have to raise your wrist, you have to raise your, your wrist, like bless, you know, like bless, when you bless the pare or, or your elders, you have to lift the wrist and your fingers are, are facing down. So you are exposing the back of your hand to the person you are calling. And then, with a click, you raise your fingers to become parallel with the grounds, and then you you pull back, you, you pull back towards yourself. That means, hey, come here, hey you, come here. But I think here in Australia, when they see this one, when you're trying to call a person like that, they think you're telling them to, hey you, shoot, shoot away, like they are adults. Like <laughs> they are a dog. <laughs> so anyway, you know, the, the, the one time when I was a kitchen hand, uh, uh, the, 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 the floor manager was calling me. Uh, and the way he called me was he was pointing to me with his palm upwards, close piece and his, his index finger out. And then he was pulling, he was calling me by curling his index finger back to his hand hand or towards himself and for us in the Philippines that's considered rude it's considered very rude in fact it's very offensive as if this person wants to well it's very offensive in the sense that this guy is treating you like a uh, like a you know like a slave or little shit you know it's very disgusting for us you know and so many times I found that uh, other Filipinos uh, would get angry like myself and would want to to fight this 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 good person. <laughs> but of course, now I learned that that is the way here in Australia. I am signing out. This is Lopez Lawang. Peace. Magandang buhay sa'yo lahat. Ito po si Lopez Lawang. I am here for all my listeners to read an excerpt from the Philippine Reader Series, the Soul Book, written by. Francisco Ardemetrio, Gilda Cordero Fernando and Fernando Enzircita with art drawn by Roberto B. Feleo. An introduction to Philippine pagan religion. Our first chapter is called The Power Sources. Who's the greatest? All over the world are stories of a god who dwells in the topmost layer of the sky. He is believed to have created the world and afterwards to have retired to his celestial community. Often, he is depicted as rarely intervening in the affairs of mortals. Man must pray to other deities and spirits for help. His names in the Philippines are many, but he is usually pictured as compassionate and concerned towards man, his creature, more so more so in fact than the minor gods and goddesses below him. Bathala. The Tagalogs called the supreme god Bathala Maikapad, or Lumika the Green an enormous being, he could not straighten up due to the lowness of his sky, and the sun burned brightly near him. One day but Hala got a bolo and pierced one of the sun's eyes so that it could generate just enough heat to sustain life. At last, Pahala was able to straighten up and with his hands pushed the cooler sky to its present level. Pahala is also known as the Grand Conserver of the Universe, the caretaker of things from whom all providence comes, hence the beautiful word Bahala or Mabahala, meaning... To care. From this above, the Filipino attitude of Bahala na, or let Bahala take care of it, which gives a person tremendous courage in the face of danger. The risk taking can assume a heroic form, such as when defenseless civilians block tanks at Edsa, or it could be recklessness, such as driving down a mountain road on ponky brakes. Wow. Lao. The Visayan name for the creator god is Laon, which denotes antiquity. According to an Occidental negros myth, the world was without human beings and animals except for a bird, Manhaul, who was the pet of Laon. The bird was allowed to wander freely, scour the wilderness, or dive to the bottom of the sea, on the one cruel cool condition that it would not soil its bed. Only. As fate would have it, Manaul was caught in the thorny stem of a rattan tree. Try as it would, the bird could not get free and most of its color feathers. And most of its colorful feathers were torn. The god Lao was furious. Because of your misbehavior, I will make your life miserable, Lao he said. Henceforth other creatures will molest and frighten you. Out of your eggs will come living beings more powerful than you. Indeed, the small pollen feathers of Manaul were transformed into flying birds and insects, and from the large plumes came creeping animals. Mute with pride and despair, Manaul went to the hollow of the rattan tree and beheld the two strange forms of a man. and a Upon seeing them, the bird died in an agony of despair, and man, woman and all other creatures took Manaul's place as the first inhabitants of earth. Thus, did a bird become the agent of the indirect creation of man by Laon. Another creator god whose name, like Laon, means old, is Gur- Hugurang of the Bikol's. And that was a small excerpt from the soul book. I'll be signing out. Maraming salamat sayo lahat. You're tuned into Pinoy Australiano. Goodbye.